2: With Alex and Foxy. Alex and Foxy. Alex and Alex and If I put our Jackson in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? How we can go head to head. Call out your top three. Call out your top three. Look at the switch from Dorte. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton the point. This is a Benedict for the shot. If anybody gonna come in the post, then we got Jalen Smith for the block. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one
0: podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth.
2: What is going on, Pacer Nation? Hope y'all are having a great day. I hope you guys are doing better than the Indiana Pacers, who are on a seven-game losing streak. Joining me is my good friend, the one and only Michael J. Focci. Focci, what's going on, brother?
1: Hey, nothing much. I'm with you, though. Alex, I took a long, hard look in the mirror this weekend. And, you know, I'm sure my hair might not have been done, but it wasn't a pretty sight. All right? And I'm talking about these Indiana Pacers, yeah. because a seven-game losing streak will have you reevaluating things, and Coming into the year, we thought we might go through these these certain patches, uh, you know, rough stretches, but actually being in it, man, that's a whole other thing. This team right now is it's just flat out not fun without Tyrese Halbert.
2: Yeah, I know, and I mean it's funny because we recorded Friday night before the the Pacers played the Nuggets, and I released that Saturday morning or Friday evening after that Nuggets Nuggets game. And at that point, we thought the Nuggets were gonna be completely healthy coming into the game. We, we expected a loss, but we were just like, with us recording this before, we're probably going to win. It's just going to be how it is. Well, then we find out Nikola Jokic isn't playing. And I thought, oh, no, we really are about to win this game. And I mean, not that it's, oh, no, they're going to win, but just like, oh, no, like, the timing of us recording the podcast, like mm-hmm. we're going to look terrible. And then the Pacers just come out there and look flatter than flat. They look gassed. They look tired. And it was one of those things where like Jokic was like just styling over there on the bench with his. White and orange and all the the nice colors he had on over there but I was just laughing because just like the Pacers no matter what they tried like they just couldn't come back and it was just like felt like a repeat performance from what they did against OKC where they just didn't really have any answer for this Nuggets team and we know the Nuggets are one of the best teams in the Western Conference so there's no doubt about it we expected a loss but just the the lack of effort in this game Focci was just awful and then you flip it over to Saturday Back to back, which we already thought was kind of like a scheduled loss going against Phoenix. What if I told you like seven of the top nine guys for Phoenix didn't play in this game, and the Pacers still lost this game? That it's just it's just when it rains, it pours right now. And yes, they do miss Halliburton, but there's a lot of other things going wrong with this team.
1: There really is. I mean, let's just I'll comment on the Nuggets game first. This team right now just looks so out of sync without Tyrese Halliburton. It's just. 21 turnovers against the Nuggets. I mean, the Nuggets are without, arguably, potentially, uh, it's already back to back MVP, but could win it three straight times. He's a favorite. the favorite. He's the favorite right now. The Nuggets <laughs> also without their head coach. And I, I know sometimes people say, oh, well, does that make that much of a difference? You're without your coach, you're without your MVP, and you still beat us by 23. It's not looking good. So, against the Nuggets, ah, that game, it never really felt like, oh, Pacers could take this one. I mean, they were led by 19 points from Bendik Matherin. Chris Duarte had 18, looked good in that game, but it, it just it wasn't enough. The Pacers never looked like a threat at any point. And one thing they allowed to the Nuggets that was, was tough to see, a season-high 38 assists oh. without Jokic, who's averaging just about 10 assists himself. <laughs> and you got to remember this. Just a couple games ago, the Pacers allowed – 41 assists. Mm. So they they're allowing teams to just get pretty much anything they want up and down the court. And when you thought that might have been enough, the Nuggets had 16 dunks in that game, the most they've had since 1996. <laughs> And, the, and it's just like, come <laughs> on, man. Across the board, it didn't matter who was out there, who wasn't out there. Jamal Murray getting his first career triple-double. It, it's just they got anything they wanted, and it was a tough sight for the Pacers, and what we already knew was going to be, you know, a really large obstacle to overcome.
2: Yeah, all of the Nuggets starters were a plus for the game, and they were plus double digits. And then Christian Brown... And Bruce Brown off the bench were plus double digits. And then DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan, a plus six. Okay. So when DeAndre Jordan is a positive and a a plus minus box score, and he only played uh, 18 minutes. So he actually played 18 minutes this game. I thought it was interesting. Aaron Gordon was playing center in this game. And I thought that he kind of had his way with Miles Turner a little bit in this one. And, you know, I I think part of it is just because he's a lot quicker off of the dribble. And so Turner while he's a great rim protector, his perimeter defense, it's okay, but it's got a lot of work to do. So I just felt like in this game, Fauci, like Jamal Murray, like you said, getting his first career triple-double, Bruce Brown, I mean, he was just a nice spark off the bench, but Christian Brown was the guy that really surprised me because the athleticism that he has, I think it's kind of forgotten. Like, you don't expect him to be that athletic and He's just hopping off the ground, making some, you know, big dunks there on a the back door. I'm like, okay. But Bruce Brown and Chris Duarte, getting into it a little bit, I uh I I told you a couple episodes ago, episodes ago we know that Chris Duarte's got a little fire to him. He's got a little, you know, punching or slapping that uh the chair, chair when he was walking out after the injury like that's just Duarte, man. He was ticked in that game. I like the fire from him, but at the end of the day, I was just like, eh, I mean, I wish this uh mattered. I wish we weren't down by 25 when you're getting this upset.
1: I know, and I stand by it. That chair was in the wrong place at the wrong time facing Chris (laughs) Duarte, but no. Look, uh, I put out a tweet that Duarte was going through a stretch where over a three-game span, he was averaging about 15 points per game on on, on really positive shooting splits. Uh, I know that was not really the case against Phoenix, unfortunately, but that Nuggets game, one that you, you'll want to forget about. And, yes, Jokic wasn't out there. The Nuggets are still a really good team. So I didn't have high expectations. The Pacers did make a move to put O'Shea set in the starting lineup. Matherin back to the bench. You could see Carlisle's experimenting. He's trying. It feels like a new starting five is being trotted out there all the time. But neither has worked. In the absence of Halliburton right now, it, it's – Fans are are crossing over to wanting to be sellers at, at what feels like a, a record pace. The The problem is that Phoenix game left a real sour taste in my mouth because it was very reminiscent of the Brooklyn Nets not putting out their top seven players, us thinking we'll get a win, and then falling short over there. Phoenix had, they had, I mean, it was Mikel Bridges out there and everyone else. That was it. And the fact that the Pacers could not get a much-needed win there made me lose the confidence that they could beat anybody without Halliburton. I just don't see a win without Halliburton.
2: I mean, I was just laughing at Rick Carlisle in the, pre- in the press conference when he said, Josh Akogi got to the foul line like nine times or something like that. Or No, he was 11-15 from the free-throw line. He said, that's a bit ridiculous.
1: <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I don't blame him. He's right.
2: I mean, and that's the thing, like Josh Akogi was their leading scorer with 24 points off the bench, and it's like he played 34 minutes, and it's like every time the Pacers got within range to like maybe make a run or close the gap or whatever, the, the Suns would just hit big buckets. I think at the end of the third quarter, Carlisle talked about that was just a brutal end to that third quarter because they had just, I think it was 81 to 80 at one point, and then like the Suns went on a nice little run there to end the third quarter, but yeah, you talk about the players that didn't play. So I was hoping to see DeAndre Ayton in this game just to see how Turner matched up against him. Well, he didn't play. Cameron Johnson didn't play. Devin Booker didn't play. Chris Paul didn't play. Landry Shamet didn't play. Um, Cameron Payne didn't play. Cameron then, Johnson. Yeah, C- Cameron Johnson earlier. I think I said him. But yeah, the man. one guy that's not been playing all year, but I think you know you got to remember he's on the roster still, Jay Crowder mean, yeah. If he was on the roster, like he definitely would have been, you know, a top seven guy from their from their mm-hmm. team this year. So, just like okay, everybody is out, and we still lost this game. And the Suns have not been playing well at all. So they had got a win previously to that game, but they had lost like a, a ton of games before that. So you're thinking to yourself, this is a good chance for them to get back on you know the, the winning track. But second night of a back to back after playing in uh, altitude against Denver, I kind of understand it, but at the same time. Just another bad loss, and seven in a row, it's just piling up, like you said, and and fans are starting to have a change of, of opinion on what this team is and what this team should do moving forward, but, you know, I just think, you know, we obviously know Andrew Nimhard was dealing with a non-COVID illness, he ended up playing in that game, uh, he was supposed to be on a podcast with us today, actually, and he took a turn for the worst over the weekend. So hopefully he is able to play on Tuesday. We'll we'll see how that goes. But um, we had to reschedule that because he's not feeling well. So, uh, you know, he, get get well soon, Andrew. But, yeah, I just think overall, Foch, it's just one of those things where right now, it's hard to watch this Pacers team. It's not fun.
1: I was watching this game by myself, and I was embarrassed. I, I, I was just – I started talking to myself being like, what am I doing? I, I, it's getting late. I'm an old man. Like, are we really not going to win this game against Phoenix? And the Pacers did have a chance at the end. I mean, Buddy Heald had a look at, at a three-pointer with two seconds left, would have tied it. And, you know, we, we did breeze over. TJ McConnell did put the team on his True. back. McConnell played 39 minutes, delivered a He did start interview.
2: that game too. He
1: started, and, and he made the most of those minutes. 18 points, 10 rebounds. 12 assists McConnell was was the bright spot in that game I know Matherin had 23 points 11 of it came from the free throw line struggled shooting 6 of 17 but McConnell has just been on fire lately so I I know the outcome was horrendous but gotta tip your hat to the play of TJ McConnell
2: no I think McConnell's been good this entire you know losing streak that's the bad thing it's like you're getting the best McConnell basketball, but nobody else is stepping up. Like there's been a lot of like comments on social media recently talking about, Oh, well, miles hasn't played great without Halliburton miles. This, you know, I'll just put it this way. We know miles is not a self creator. Miles okay. is dependent upon other people creating for him. That's just his game. Like he's a three point shooter and he's going to, you know, roll occasionally and get the ball down low in the post, but he's not like a guy that's just going to take you off the dribble. It's not really what he does. I mean, that's not his role. So, Personally, I think Miles has been fine. I think he's been okay. I don't think he's been great. We've obviously seen better versions of Miles throughout the year, but I thought he was good against the Bucks. He didn't play good against the Thunder. He was he was frustrated. I think he was frustrated after the Nuggets game as well. I mean, you got to understand, like at least his frustration shows that he cares. So yeah, of course. You know, and I mean, look, it, it's just been a rough stretch for everybody. This team right now, it feels a lot like last year. And I know that the front office talked about it. Like losing a bunch of games in a row is just not what you really want. Even if you are like not expecting to win a lot of games, losing like 10 games in a row can really impact the morale of the team. And so getting on getting home for the Bulls game on Tuesday is going to be huge just to be back in front of their fans. But the Bulls have been playing better. The Bulls are right on their tails to take over the night seed. And I think right now, Flatchy. The Pacers just have to gut a win out. You, you, and you can't look at Orlando and say this is a cakewalk either because Orlando, they got Jonathan Isaac, Isaac back, you know, coming back. They've been playing better. I just, you know, when, when is the next win in sight? I don't know, but they just got to stay together.
1: We are officially at the point in the season where there is not an easy win. There's not. I don't think there's one game at this point that we could pencil in saying, I guarantee the Pacers win this game. Because the, I saw an article out. This is the most uh, disparity there's been between a, in the NBA this year since 1984. Anyone wow. could win. There, there's only a handful of teams that are pretty bad. Everyone else, for the most part, is kind of in it. You know, I, even if you... What well, do you I
2: want to throw this out at you real quick. I think I, when I looked last night, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is right. Only 13 teams had a above 500 record or better mm, in the NBA. Let me double okay. check that, though.
1: Yeah, so you know, I'll I'll, I'll go on while while you research that. But, but the Pacers, it it's just man, you got Chicago, Orlando, Milwaukee, and Memphis all before Tyrese Halliburton comes back. If you don't win against Chicago at home or Orlando, I mean, you, you ain't beat Milwaukee or Memphis, even if they rest a player or two. We just lost to Milwaukee without Giannis, without mm. Middleton. They're expected to be back, or at least obviously Giannis is. So, man, th- this it's tough because then after that, you're talking about the Lakers, the Kings, Cleveland, Miami, Phoenix. If things are getting ugly real quick. And to your point about how losses adding up can change your mood, I've been on teams when you're winning, it's fun. Guys want to put in that extra work and show up. When you're on teams that are losing, and, and yes, I'm talking about, you know, recreational basketball, some guys stop showing up. They're like, hey, you know what? This has been fun. I got some other obligations going on. The Pacers obviously are under contract. They're not going to just not show up, but mm-hmm. it's going to wear on them. Losing does affect your day-to-day, and I don't want this group to be a part of it, but I hope it's not already kind of seeping in there to the point where you got the Chris Duartes that are getting really frustrated right now, and I don't want to see that out of other players. We need Halliburton's smile back because that <laughs> has been infectious.
2: Yeah, for sure. Let me just correct myself here, Fachi. So before it was 13 teams that had a record above 500. Um, The Clippers won last night. I think the Timberwolves won over the weekend as well. And so now that puts it at a total of 16 teams because the Suns got their victory against us. 16 Ah. teams have a record of 500 or greater, but I think like three of them are at 500 as well, or or two of them are at 500. So that'd be 14 teams only with above 500 records, and nobody really – is looking to run away with it. Besides, like, you know, you're looking at your upper echelon teams like the Celtics. They're at 35 wins. And then Denver and Memphis are in the 30s. And Philadelphia just got their 30th win. They took over one spot uh, of the Bucks. So, yeah, I just, I just think about it like that. Like, there's a lot of parity in this league. I looked at the strength of schedule today. Pacers at 22. So they don't have that tough of a schedule remaining. But like you said, it's still, that doesn't mean anything. And the teams below them, that have an easier shrink of schedule, the Wizards, the Toronto Raptors, and the Chicago Bulls, all teams that are nipping on their heels for that final 9-10 spot in the play-in. So they're just going to have to figure things out. Halliburton might not come back to February. And like I said last episode, if Miles Turner is not there when Halliburton returns or he's only there for a couple of games and if he's traded before the deadline, I just don't see an end in sight to the madness of the losing.
1: I don't either. And it's it's too it feels too late to get to the, the top of the lottery standings, like really being in contention for I don't think a top. it is. It, it's not too late if if things aren't gonna get really dark out here. But <laughs> we're in the midst of uh of a pretty pitch black uh stretch of pace of basketball where I just don't know when the next win is gonna come. I, I feel that I'm dealing all right with it, but man, I Pacers Twitter, it's becoming a spot that people are, they want to turn to the tank real quick. And I can't say I blame them. I, I really cannot. But this team just looks night and day with Tyrese Halliburton. When, when he's not out there, I don't know who we can beat. I really don't know who in the NBA we can beat without that man because ain't no team that I could definitely say, oh, that's a lock. The Pacers will beat them. I mean, please. Houston Rockets, I think, could even give you a challenge on any night without Halliburton. The Spurs, it, there's just not a team out there.
2: I don't know about the Rockets. Rockets only won 10 games this they, year. They're just I, trash.
1: They <laughs> are trash. But you never know if, like, Jalen Green might give you a 30-piece yeah. or anything. That's the one team that I would feel kind of good about. I mean, I think they've lost. The way the like, Pacers
2: are playing, though, I get what you're saying.
1: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And that, that's it. And that's not the category you want to be in. The Rockets have been the worst team in the league over the last, like, three years.
2: Yeah. So just to kind of give you like an update here, the Rockets are the worst team in the league. Detroit's the second worst team. This is inverse standing Charlotte third, San Antonio fourth, Orlando fifth, Washington has the sixth worst record in the NBA. And we are only two games ahead of them. So we could go all the way to the sixth spot in the draft. We were at five last year and six jumped us, which was the Sacramento Kings. So we're not that far away from being like you said, at the top of the lottery. And in uh, Orlando, we were only five games ahead of them record-wise, and their team's getting healthy. They're getting better. Maybe they look at developing, you know, some of their young players and letting them play and, and win games. I mean, you just never know. So, I mean, because they got a pretty young team. I don't know how much they really want to add another young piece. I mean, obviously they, they would love to do that, but you get what I'm saying. Like, are, are, are they looking at maybe, like, not tanking and just letting their guys play and develop and see what they got? So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that we can get in the top seven, six or seven, and, you know, position ourselves for a good draft pick. But yeah, it's just, it's just tough. And I mean, nobody wants to sit here and be all doom and gloom for the rest of the season. We still got all of uh, February and March, and then, you know, the rest of January and the beginning of April. So we still got ourselves a while, but I just think a lot's going to happen in the next two and a half weeks before the trade deadline. We're going to kind of see what direction this team goes, Fodge, but you know, um, anything else you want to talk about on these on these games that we had over the weekend or you want to move not, forward to our next Not part? really
1: a game, but, I mean, when you're talking about a, a battle of two teams that might be tanking, Alex, I don't know if this is good news or bad news or not, but February 11th, I'm making my return to Washington, D.C. I'm hitting Pacers versus Wizards, and I don't <laughs> know what team needs a... Uh, oh, we we know. know
2: what team you're rooting for, Fachi.
1: Yeah, right. I don't know what the Wizards win or loss more, but I will be in the building. The Pacers are 0-3 with me in the arena this year. I don't feel good about that. Part of me (laughs) needs that streak to end, but I do know at that point it's right after the NBA trade deadline. So what do you mean? Right after it. So I'm just saying I don't know who the Pacers are gonna be putting out there. Mm. If this is like this could be the game after the trade deadline where the Pacers could be kind of undermanned which already feels like a tough spot to be in the, if the Pacers are to trade Turner obviously Turner won't be out there and and who el- who else you never know last year right after the trade deadline i mean it was slim picking for a couple games before Halliburton made it Preston Thompson debut. baby. just 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 don't i i still just don't like him i don't do it. <laughs> i can't do it
2: no what's going to happen is Fachi is if Turner's not on the team you're going to get the daniel Tice debut in washington dc the guy that you said would never wear a Pacers uniform. You're going to be there for that debut. I'm feeling I'm calling I'm, it right now.
1: I, I might. You know what? It very well could happen. Uh, maybe Tice is the next guy to go off while I'm there. It tends to be someone. Uh, I, I would prefer not to be at the Daniel Tice game. Like It would be, be kind of cooler if someone else stepped up. But you, you take what you can get. I'll be in the building. Win or loss. I'm still hoping for a win.
2: Okay. Okay. Which, which win? He didn't specify which team he Pacers wants to win, though. win. All right. Nah, you're not okay. going to get me on some yeah, technicality. Okay. All right. Yeah, okay.
0: So- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: So speaking of the Washington Wizards, today they made a trade, Fachi. Rui Hachimur, a guy that I brought up that I like for this Pacers team to be kind of, you know, semi-interested yep. in, take a flyer I'm on.
1: You.
2: Um, he got dealt today to the Los Angeles Lakers for Kendrick Nunn, and I believe it was three second-round picks? Was it,
1: it, it was a three. Okay, three. It was
2: three.
1: It was the Chicago Bulls uh, second-round pick for this year. Then you're talking about a 2028 and a 2029 second-round pick. So, I mean, I I truly believe Rob Polinko, the front office, might have dipped their hand in their couch, saw what they could pull out, pulled out a little bit of pocket change, offered the Wizards it, and they went for it. Alex, what were your initial thoughts when you're talking about Kendrick Nunn, someone going to hit free agency, and then three second-round picks for the former ninth overall pick? Yes, he is heading towards restricted free agency, but still a promising young player.
2: Yeah, I think because the second round picks are so far out, it is kind of enticing, I think, a little bit to the Wizards because that does give them flexibility to, you know, because we've seen the Pacers use those type of picks to to move up and get what they want. So you could say, well, there's a guy you really like. Now you have that ammo in your back pocket because second round picks get traded all the time. I guarantee those picks are traded five or six times before they eventually land with whoever gets them. Um, but I, I think in terms of the value Rui Hachimura, it was just so low. And Kendrick Nunn is not going to be someone I think that the Wizards really prioritize keeping. They already have point guards on their roster and maybe he plays back a point guard. Who knows? But I just feel like if the Pacers had any interest, they could have offered easily more than what the Lakers gave up to get him. So clearly the Pacers probably just didn't have interest in him. That, that's kind of my thinking on this one. But I think if they did, you could have easily just said, okay, we'll give you that rocket second round pick, or we'll give you the, the Celtics, you know, pick. Plus Goga and take back Rui Hachimura, and that would have been a better overall trade value deal than what the Lakers gave. Now, some people might say that these second round picks have more value than that Celtics pick. I can kind of see that, but I just, I just feel like that maybe could have the Pacers could have given up a little bit more to get him, and probably outdone the Lakers in terms of their value. But uh, I, I don't know if I was just a little bit surprised that that's all it cost to to get Rui.
1: And that's where I'm at, is my my theory on this had to have been that the Pacers were not interested. Yeah. Otherwise, this was the perfect deal to swoop in on and offer up the Celtics' first-round pick. And Goga, like you said, call it a day. Because from everything I've read, Washington wanted to get below the tax by being able to um, flip Kendrick Nunn uh, for Rui. They saved uh, it's about a million dollars. I don't think that uh, an NBA franchise would be too concerned about a million dollars, but it gets them just below that. And you're talking about three second-round picks. Don't know what they'll materialize as. We won't know that for about five to six years. But I'm with you. You're talking about the Celtics' first-round pick, which could be potentially 30th overall, maybe 28th to 30. And Goga, I think the Wizards could have still accomplished saving money. They get a first. I think that would have been a better deal. My gut theory, Pacers just weren't interested. They probably thought to themselves, you know what? I don't know if Ruby is someone that we want to – trade a first round pick for now when maybe he does end up hitting free agency. They also, I mean, you look at it this way, Lakers are probably far less likely to re-sign Rui mm-hmm. due to where they're at financially that the Pacers could probably just offer him, you know, an offer if they are interested and not keep uh not trade a first round pick.
2: Is he a restricted free agent this year? Yes. Okay. Maybe that's when the Pacers were just not interested in was you know, having to pay him after this season, don't want to give up a first round pick for him. I mean, I can kind of understand that. I thought a flyer on Rui would have made sense because I still believe Rui has good basketball. And so and but last in But last year was kind of weird. Like he didn't play for like half the season, right?
1: I know. And they never really did disclose what was going on. I know it was personal. So it could have been some type of mental health related thing where he was away from the team for quite some time. And He obviously has not blossomed the way that people thought he would. But I love nothing more than a buy low player that you're rolling the dice on. I love it. I live for it. The Pacers have done a great job developing young talent. I mean, I could have sworn I could have seen Rui as like an Aaron Neesmith type of development Mm -hmm. where you get the the most out of him. I don't know how much development he'll have in, in L.A., But unless the Pacers were going to move someone at the power forward spot, I don't know if they would have been able to open up enough minutes to have Rui develop and then give him a contract on top of that.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I I think what you're seeing here for Rui, you're probably going to see less value for a guy like Cam Reddish. Apparently that's
1: down to just a second-round
2: pick. Right, and that's what the Lakers were interested in him as well. So you got to wonder, maybe the Lakers are – going to try to get Cam Reddish and Ruby Hachimura and kind of get some young guys on this team that, you know, could maybe make some sense for him. But uh, speaking of 2028 second-round picks, like you Ooh. said, the Lakers gave up, right? Bobby Marks from ESPN did his entire trade guide and, um, you know, just picked up the things from the Pacers that I thought were interesting. And so he threw out four different trade scenarios, Focci, uh, for the Pacers. So I just want to, like, run these by you and just kind of get your opinions on them. So the first one we're going to do here is, does involve a 2028 20, second round pick from the Pacers that's protected 31 to 35 to the Phoenix Suns for cash considerations and Dario Saric. What were your thoughts on that?
1: My first initial um instinct is why? Why would this trade make any sense? Cuz you look at Saric and it's like this is someone who's going to enter free agency and we're going to trade a future second round pick for, for and we're going to get cash it it just doesn't make any sense. And I believe in the article, it said the Pacers would have to look to waive someone. And I could have sworn that it mentioned James Johnson in the article. Yeah, I could be wrong. But he, this makes no sense to waive a locker room leader for someone like Sarish, who's not going to be there after the year. It I'm out on it.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is kind of a win now move, I think. And I think if when Bobby Marks was probably creating this, the Pacers were doing a lot better, they weren't on a seven game losing streak. And I think it came out. Maybe last week at some point, like Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday, mm-hmm. one of those days, he he released both the Eastern and Western Conference on separate days. But Eastern Conference one came out first. I like Dario Saric. I think that last year he missed most of the season, if not yeah. all of it. I can't remember. He had a I forget or what injury. ACL, okay. And I think that might have happened in the the previous year. So mm-hmm. um, can't keep track of what the Suns were doing. But we've had so much history with the Suns. I just feel like at this point, after the after the Aiton thing, them taking to, uh, Dwayne Washington Jr., pretty much after we waived him to have the money to have Aiton, it's just like, no, we're probably not going to see any Pacers-Suns deals anytime soon. We already blasted them for the T.J. Warren deal for cash consideration, so I get it. I mean, if I'm the Suns, I'm staying away from Kevin Pritchard. I'm like, this dude has just not been helping me out at all, uh, even though James Jones does have uh, ties with Indiana, obviously, playing here. No, mm-hmm. I, I thought this deal was kind of interesting in terms of, like, okay, like, it does help us reach our salary floor, probably, if we do add on Dario Sarge, because we'd be taking back the money, which is something I think people care about. I don't think the ownership cares about it as much, because they can just give the money out to the players um, that they have to reach the salary floor with. But, yeah, you give up a protected 2028 second round pick, doesn't really matter. You get cash considerations for it, you get Dario Sarge. It's
1: just not doing anything for me.
2: When, just, when people... Why?
1: Exactly. When people use the example, make a trade just to make a trade, this is that example right there. This yeah. makes just no sense. If the Pacers really hadn't gone on this seven-game losing streak, you know, you 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 could say, mm, eh, all right, but like, does Sarge really move the needle to the point where it's like, uh-oh, watch out, Pacers about to lock down a playoff spot? I, I don't mm. think he's that guy anymore. A few years ago, I, I did really like him with the Philadelphia 76ers, but... Coming off the torn ACL after he missed all of last year, I just confirmed it was last year, full year missed. Okay. He's he's just not that guy. And I, I think it doesn't make sense to do that deal.
2: I mean, he didn't look good against the Pacers on Saturday night. I think he played like eight minutes, even though he started. So it's just kind of like, okay. Um the idea of Dario Sarch is probably more enticing than who Dario mm-hmm. Sarch is right now after the surgery. And it could be a cost-saving move for the Suns for them to do this. And that might it be is. why so that's probably why okay, Indiana's got cap space. Well, we'll give them some cash considerations to take this on. But at the same time, why should we be giving up a second round pick for it? If that's the case, you should be attaching a second round pick to us or to Sarich for us to take him. That's kind of how I look at it. And maybe we give them like a lesser second round pick and kind of like have the, the rights to a better second round pick from the deal. But yeah, I mean, there's no reason to do because we already have such a log jam at that position because he's kind of like a small ball five. He's not really a power forward in the way Carlisle likes to play. I mean, defensively, that's where you got to get better. And Sarich is not someone that I look at as a good defender.
1: No, but what's cash considerations to a team $15 million below the floor? I mean, it makes no sense at all. If we're doing a deal with Phoenix, I want to be the one throwing in the cash considerations like we did for TJ Warren.
2: Absolutely. Well, let's move over to the next one here. And these are kind of, I'll do all these two two together. Excuse me, I can't talk. Um, but I feel it's only right that I bring this one up because PJ Washington, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, boy, that's my boy. So it's nice to not hear me have to say it, but, uh, somebody else come up with a Pacers trade idea, PJ Washington to the Pacers for a 2023 first round draft pick from, uh, the Celtics and the pick from the Cavs for 2023 as well. So basically giving up two late first round picks for PJ Washington. Fachi, we'll start with that trade first. What do you think of that one?
1: Mm. I'm torn because the other deal, it's hard to not spoil that deal. I'm going to go ahead and say it? Yeah, just say it. Okay,
2: so the other deal, instead of doing both picks, the Pacers would then give them the Cavs pick, but instead of the Celtics pick, they would include Chris Duarte in the trade. So Chris Duarte and the Cavs pick for P.J. Washington, or the Boston pick, the Cavs pick for P.J. Washington, no players are going out.
1: I think I'm leaning towards the first deal involving two first-round picks where you get to keep Chris Duarte. Now, you could go either way on this one. You really could. But I think that the Pacers don't need to punt on Duarte yet. But when you're talking about having three first-round picks and the Houston Rockets' early second-round pick most likely – it feels that that's too many first round picks. So I would rather still keep Duarte, hope that maybe he could develop into something and then give up the Cavs and Celtics picks, which could easily be between 25 to 30, where it's kind of a um, a lower chance that you're going to get someone that's really going to make an impact with this franchise.
2: Yeah, I mean, I like P.J. Washington. You know how I like him. Um, I have thought that it makes some sense to maybe go after him because if you really like him, You're going to have his bird rights. It's restricted free agency, so you can bring him back. Is he worth giving up two picks, though,
1: for? I don't think so. It was more of like a between those two deals. If I had to pick one, I'd rather give up the two late picks than Duarte and a pick. But Mm -hmm. the Pacers could very well just pursue him in restricted free agency.
2: Right. They could do that. And you got to think you're really helping out the Hornets if you give them two picks in this year's draft. They're already towards the top the top three in terms of the draft lottery right now. So now you're just giving another team in the Eastern Conference more ammunition to try to get up into the draft and, and make some bigger, splashier moves because this is a team that feels like they need to hit the major reset button and build Big around time. the mellow ball. And I believe Jake Fisher in one of his recent articles did point that out that's what direction they look to be heading. So I I, I like what Charlotte has in terms of you know their assets with young players. Like we talked about McDaniels being somebody we liked. Uh, I know I've talked about it. PJ Washington. I don't believe in Kelly Oubre Jr. I'm just not a big Kelly Oubre Jr. Believer, but they do have veterans they could sell off of like Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, those kind of guys. There's been rumored interest in miles bridges coming back with them. And that kind of got debunked. I think once they got all the negative responses back on social media, they were like, okay, we probably need to dip on this one, but there definitely was some interest there. I believe in that. Um, So, just not really sure what direction the Hornets are going to go after this season. I think this year it makes sense that they're trying to lose, but PJ Washington, as much as I like him, that's a lot of assets you're giving up because now you only have your pick in the draft, no opportunity to move up. Kevin Pritchard's talked about, you know, he loves those picks. I think where it could make sense is if you did do that Cavs pick, but maybe a future second round pick instead, because that's just a lot of, you know, value, valuable things you're giving up. To, to have the opportunity to pay somebody money. It's like, why do I want the opportunity to pay him when I could just, like you said, a, a approach that and restrict it for agency? Yeah, you get his bird rights, but now you're locking yourself up with even more money tied to a guy that is still, in my opinion, a project.
1: I'm, I'm with you. So I don't think someone is paying up two first-round picks for P.J. Washington. No. I, I just don't think so. Good, promising player. I think he has taken a step forward this year. But once restricted free agency comes around, I, I got no problem just offering up a deal, keeping those picks. Because if you're Indiana, you have now done things right. You've accumulated enough assets to be able to take those picks and swing for the fences. Swinging for PJ Washington is not swinging for the fences. That's like swinging for a double. You know, <laughs> I, I feel like right over there. That's more of a double. Uh, I'm I'm saving those picks for to really go out there. And swing for a guy that we could not have gotten unless it was through trade. And PJ Washington, I'm sorry, is just not that guy.
2: Yeah, I mean, if the Hornets are looking to get rid of one of their top draft picks from the last like five years, whatever it's been, I mean, come on now. That tells you enough you know, if they're if they're already giving up on their guy, it just makes it feel like they're just not as invested. Why should we be as invested? But let's move on to the last one here, Fachi. This one, I think. Is something that's more interesting to talk about, but we'll get into that. The Pacers receive Josh Hart from the Portland Trailblazers for T.J. McConnell and Chris Duarte. What do you think on this one, Blatch?
1: This is tough because I've always had a soft spot for Josh Hart. In my opinion, he is the best rebounding guard in the league. Eight. Okay, the, oh yeah, and the Pacers have struggled at rebounding for so long, and I feel like it's it's come down to Pacers haven't had guards that have really rebounded that well in years but once again another guy that could decline his player option and hit free agency after this year so let's wait out McConnell the trusty veteran that has been the bright spot you know following Hal Burton going down someone that you can count on great locker room leader we would save 14 million dollars moving forward if the Pacers were to trade him and then Duarte, you could obviously save on him, but it's not like he's making this money that's really holding you down, burning a hole in your pocket. So the Pacers have a chance to potentially trade both players that are in the rotation and then walk away with nothing in the off season. I, I, it, it's a bit of a risky move, and I don't, I, I just don't think this is a, a great deal either.
2: No, I don't. I don't really like any of these deals to be honest with you. I mean, the one that's probably the most enticing to me is the P.J. Washington stuff. Of course. Just because, I mean, there's always that, like, what if he became this, you know? Yeah. Is is he kind of like a better version of, like, us getting Jalen Smith at the deadline? Where I he like get it. A starter, Good comparison. Yeah, but he's yeah. not been shooting the ball well, and that's kind of Jalen Smith this year. He's not been shooting the ball well either after he had a great stretch with us towards the end of the season last year. So, you know, that that – Warm, fuzzy feeling kind of wore off there with Jalen Smith. I think that he's been fine, but I don't think anybody would be losing sleep if he was somebody that was dealt. So long story short, Josh Hart, role player, not moving is. the needle. T.J. McConnell is so valuable to this team right now. As much as I love Andrew Nimhart and I believe in his potential right now, he's been struggling. And I think sometimes it's just nice to have that insurance at that point guard position and T.J. McConnell has been so good that Rick I had to put him in the starting lineup and start him next to Nimhard and allow Nimhard to kind of play off the ball a little bit because not only is Nimhard asked the guard, usually the best player on their team, trying to run the offense too, which is just a lot. It's a lot to ask a guy. So I think McConnell is more valuable than people realize. The money getting off that, it would be nice. But seriously, McConnell's making $7 million. And like you said, I $15 million, what? under the 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 floor so you know so we're not hurting for needing to create space and then Duarte I'm not giving up on Chris Duarte that quickly Mm -hmm. for Josh Hart so you know good player but not not the right deal for me none of these deals really scream that's what the Pacers should do it feels like more of the Pacers being like helpers in a lot of these trades where they're
1: just not taking back anything that makes a lot of sense I think Bobby Marks miss the mark on on this situation because Bobby. he didn't under, he didn't understand where the Pacers are at and in these trades it just doesn't do anything for them long term you're talking about still running a risk of losing just about every single player that the Pacers are trading for in this situation could easily just walk yeah so between PJ Washington Josh Hart Dario Saric those are three guys that could easily the Pacers could trade for and then they could not be with the team the following year Josh Hart glorified or a real good role player, but if the Pacers punted on Duarte and TJ McConnell, locker room leader, walked away with a player that doesn't come back to the team next year, I think it would it would send a pretty rough message to, you know, the rest of the group because McConnell loves being here. Duarte wants to be here. I I just none of these moves, they just ain't it.
2: No, they don't move the needle at all. And to be honest with you, I'd rather trade one second round pick for Cam Reddish than any of these deals.
1: 110%. <laughs> take a second round pick. I'll let you pick which one you want. We, we got plenty of I don't know them. about Maybe that. Not the Houston I'm not, one. Yeah. not the Houston. One. Not <laughs> that one, say. but we, we got plenty of others over here. I feel like it's Halloween. I'm holding a bucket of second round picks. Just pick one, not yeah. the Houston one, and we'll take Cam Reddish. We don't need to jeopardize anything for the guys that were named today.
2: Yeah, not 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 at all. So, I mean, Dario Saric, Josh Hart, Godspeed to you, but <laughs> don't want to see you in a Pacer uniform. But with that being said, Fachi, let's go ahead and close out the episode. Tell the people where they can find us at on social media.
1: Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube.
2: Yeah, you can go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast, where our latest episode is out. Focci, Michael Scotto, one-on-one, talking NBA trade buzz. What is going on? Michael Scotto's got all the scoops for you. We did see one little clip of that aggregated for Twitter today. So thank you at the trade deadline for doing that for us. If you want to hear that whole conversation, just go over to YouTube, subscribe to our channel, listen to that video. Uh, It's really good, impactful. And then, of course, we also had our Fan of the Week on that episode as well. So Corey and Dia Carter, that interview with myself and Fauci, and and then our Fans of the Week is up available as well on that episode. So check that out. But Fauci, if you're glad the Pacers are back home and playing in front of their fans and not on the road anymore, then hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth.
0: (laughs)